Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Morning, everybody. Welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of the rest of the morning with Trent and myself. On the BMW Des Moines guest list today, busy day for a Friday. Going to jump right into it in the next few minutes with our team of the day. Uh, Iowa State's in the back in the spotlight today. The Roshan Corporation sponsors. We'll take a look at the 2014-2015 uh, Iowa State men's basketball team, a team that had, boy, so much promise after winning the Big 12 and going into the tournament as a three-seed, right? A three-seed? They were, yeah. That uh, 2014-15 year coming on the heels of the Big 12 tournament mm-hmm. where they dispatched Kansas for yep. the second time. People, you don't like a one seed, you don't like a two seed. Take a look at this three seeded Cyclone squad. Last we know what happened, and that's you know the NCAA tournament because I'm sure when Cyclone people get together and they're talking about great teams, this one is rarely mentioned. Yeah, Trent, it's a what it's a what could have been. I'm yeah. with you. You take a look at that roster, mm-hmm. man, and it would most of it for the most part would come back the following year. But man, oh man, it was absolutely loaded. Uh, who did they lose? Of course, they lost uh, BDJ, Bryce DeJohn yes. Jones. Did they lose anybody? Uh, Hogue? Hogue, yep. He moved on. But for the most part, that group comes back. Mm. It was uh, a really talented squad and one of those what-ifs. Yep. They got off to such a great start in that UAB game. But it just goes to show you the importance of the NCAA tournament for everybody's memories. And the same thing going on the Iowa perspective. The 2005-2006 mm. Iowa team. Lost to Northwestern State. Right. We're talking about two teams that lost to 14 seeds, and it just three seed, yeah. it, it completely taints your image of that team that did both these teams uh-huh. great things. Game day was in Ames that year. Game day was in Ames for the Kansas game, but people don't talk about this no, team, no. and and they should. I'm with you. But that NCAA tournament, boy, it weighs heavy. It's and rightly so. I mean, that's what it's all. That's how yeah. you're judged. You know, you, yeah, you remember the Big 12 tournament win, but. Sure. But yeah, okay, for sure, I'll give you that. But well, and another part I, I think of this is because of the totality of the success in the last decade down in Kansas City. If this was the only Big Twelve yeah, title that good they had, point. good point. Maybe it would be looked at more finely. But eh, they cut down the nets. So yeah, that's a good point. There's point. other ones to look at too, mm-hmm. and say, yeah, but that team, and that still just it brings everything down. But there's a lot of other. Kind of stories there, and I want to ask Dave Sproul when we have him on later today, his memories of covering that team, because there were a lot of stories that went around about what mm-hmm. happened before that game against UAB. And, and, and at halftime. And at halftime. Right, and yes. yeah, and in the... Uh, the meeting leading lead, meetings, team meetings leading up to that game. Well, we'll never, we'll probably never know. A lot of speculation out there. But anyways, we'll talk about, you know, Jameel McKay and Abdul Nader and Monte Morris was a sophomore on that team and Niang is a junior and Matt Thomas had still not come into his own yet. Uh, of course, Nazmitru Long's a big component of that team. Deontay Burton, didn't he get eligible for halfway through? Halfway yeah. through, that's yep. what I thought. 
I look at the NBA talent on that. Isn't that team. crazy? There really is. There's a bunch of guys that went on to the league, and Matt uh, Mitru Long is right on the fringe of it. So that'll be our look back at, um, you know, we do this once a week or so during these times. Roshan Corporation sponsors 2014 15 Iowa State men's basketball team. Tom Kakert from HawkeyeReport.com. Of course, Kirk Ferentz uh, met the media via Zoom. He was part of Scott Van Pelt's show last night. A lot of things um, came out of the Zoom meeting that uh, Coach Ferentz had with, A, his players, in advance of his meeting with the media. Uh, there's some recruiting news at Iowa, so we'll get Tom Kakert in here at about 10.30. We are going to continue to give the Food Bank uh, airtime, the Food Bank of Iowa Food uh, Bank airtime when they need it. Uh, Dylan Lampy is going to join us today. Michelle Book unable to join, but uh, her spokesperson, Dylan, going to join us at 1050. Find out what the latest is with the Food Bank of Iowa. Trent alluded to uh, Dave Sproul coming up from KASI. Covers Iowa State for us at 1120. And then Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, who joins us every week during yeah. football. Is he Thursday or Friday? Thursdays. Thursday. Uh, Thursday during the uh, football season. Uh, he's a handicapper. Um, and there's so many things I want to and there's no sports per se to get to, but I want to pick his brain in a number of ways. And I'm going to stay save this for 11 o'clock, but maybe throw this out there, Trent. And, and it has to do with sports wagering, and it has to do with college sports. And I mean, we we saw yesterday, although not confirmed by Alabama, confirmed but not confirmed, right? Um, look Com- at, confirmed by multiple media outlets, right? But the, but the, but Alabama citing HIPAA will not say that five of their college football players have coronavirus symptoms, or we don't know. Are they yeah. are they sick? Are they uh, are they asymptomatic? And they, they just test possibly positive? could be. I mean, on the other hand, look how, how Iowa State did it when they mm-hmm. had a uh, uh, an assistant coach uh, come down, and apparently four of the players had symptoms, and now they're quarantined. But my point being is, if this was the NFL, we would know. And sports wagering continues to grow. California might be ready by the fall. Really? That's a big one. That is a massive one. because and probably the, not a good one for Vegas? No. Yeah. No, be, uh, No, it's not a good one for Vegas. <laughs> because they come over from, you know, going to Reno from that area. Yep. And, of course, up the, uh, up, is it five? No, it's it's not. It's ten. I-10 maybe. Whatever it is. Fifteen. Ten. Uh, into from California into Nevada, and they get right across the line. There's a bunch of casinos uh, in the uh, southern part of Nevada um, that they that just do bang up business mm-hmm. because of all the California residents. You don't have to get to Vegas to place your bets. But my point being is, how will colleges, and in particular college football, because that's going to be up first, how will the, how will coaching staffs, how will athletic departments handle? Because it's going to happen. It is going to. It's going to happen. If they have a player or two in a significant position, we'll use a quarterback. You know, if there's a quarterback that's, do they let, they they all want to keep the secret internally, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to tell the other team anything. We don't have the coaching staff. They have to prepare for our starter. We don't know want them knowing that our starter's sick. How will they handle that? It's going to be, I'm sure, certainly going to be up to each university. We see that today continuing to happen. Wisconsin, but not enough. Northwestern, they put out an injury report, a full injury report. And did like before sports wagering yes. was um, uh, in, in as many places. And it's in Illinois for Northwestern, mm-hmm. but, it, it, but it wasn't legal yet, and Northwestern was still doing that, to, to their credit. But they don't have to now. No. I mean, Matt Campbell's as secretive as anybody. Oh, well, How's Campbell going to hire how, or handle it? Remember, was it two or three years ago? We were working together. Were we? We did last year in Chicago, but I think I went by myself two years ago. Yeah, that right? sounds right. And you handled things uh, up the dial for us. Um, 
But when I was in Chicago, uh, Jim Delaney made it a big talking point. Yes, absolutely. About the, uh, the quote, injury reports that they were going to come up with. So we'll save that for 11 o'clock. But I think we should get into that because, Trent, I'm, this might lead to... This might lead to colleges not being forced because I don't want to say that a gambling entity would force college to change the way they do business, but we'll see. We'll get into that at eleven o'clock, and you know some of the uh, things that might come out of it. Um, still, no baseball. No, they continue to make themselves. I don't know. Who looks worse, the players or the uh, the owners? Yes, um, collectively <laughs> they do not look good. <laughs> the answer is yes. Um, they don't. They don't look good. The owners flat out refuse the uh, the players rather flat out refuse the owners' latest proposal, and here we are back to square one again. <sighs> I still think they're going to play, but man, I don't feel as good about it today as I did at the beginning of the week. See, I I think they're going to play. Ultimately, there is going to be baseball played. Major League Baseball will be played in some form or fashion. This continues to be the back and forth negotiating that drives me nuts. I think drives most sports fans nuts. And then you start to take a side. Wait, wait, wait. Why am I taking the owner side? Why, why am I taking the players? And you just, you kind of, as a fan, I think, get into this never-ending cycle of frustration. I told you about that for me two nights ago. It mm-hmm. finally hit me in just such a real visceral way. I was just, I was so upset about it. It just made me mad reading through the article, talking about the particulars in the back and forth. There's too much at stake. Yeah. We know it. People listening know it. Everybody that's a baseball fan knows the importance but the players of and the owners, I'm not sure they know it. I, they do. They have to know what a bad look that it would be with NBA coming We back. both said yesterday that even if they don't play this year and as, as pissed off as we will be, opening day next year, we're in. But we're different. We are different. Mm-hmm. We, it would take a lot for us to, to move away from any right. sport right. that we enjoy. There is that percentage that would be frustrated, that would... Maybe not never watch a game again, but wouldn't go, wouldn't buy the gear, wouldn't do those types of things as their own protest, if you will, of Major League Baseball. That percentage is out there, and there's still people. I still talk to people and watch baseball since 94. Every once in a while, I'll flip yeah. it on, but I'm just not the fan that I once was. And, and that's the part that you also lose, is just taking away those little pieces. In a sport where you're trying to build a younger generation, you're trying to get that young 12 to 18-year-old that's starting because... Well, Trent, they've carved three minutes off each game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they got him in. It, it doesn't quite work that way. But in order to do that, you can't just cancel a season. You can't go away. I remember that. It, it was the strike of 94 was right in my wheelhouse. I was 14. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends at that time, they went away from the game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything on purpose. But as it went away, eh, find something else to do. Yeah. Whatever it may be. During the summertime, eh, you know what? I'm going to golf a little bit more. I'm going to do this. And, and that part of baseball, when you're growing, when you're becoming a fan and it's not there, you've already lost months of the season and now you're going to completely take it away. There's going to be a portion of your fan base that you'll never get back. That growing fan base that you're trying for, you and me, we're in. People yeah. listening, you're a baseball fan, you're mm-hmm. in. But when you're trying to build with those younger people, something, we see the aging the demographic. Fringe fans, is that what you're saying? Every year, it is average median age of TV. NFL is 47. College football is 43. I'm just throwing out random numbers, but this is general. And Horse base- racing, 74. <laughs> right. Boxing, 72. <laughs> right. And baseball is at that upper tier. They're 58. I'm like, whoa, median yeah. age is 58 of baseball? I'm not surprised. But that's what, and that number continues to build every single year because you're not getting the sheer volume of that younger generation. Mm-hmm. That's what you miss if you can't come to some kind of conclusion. I was listening to CC Sabathia this morning. 
He, he was talking about what are they doing? I mean, don't they got to get going here? You got ten days or so. You want to have even something in the middle of July, and maybe the the owners are right. Maybe we're only going to get forty, fifty games, but we will get some kind of baseball in some fashion. Well, that's they're they're holding fast, steadfast that that's what they they want. Forty eight now, forty. It's not even fifty. They're down. They're down to forty eight. The, uh, the players came back with eighty two. Um, we, we'll we'll see. It's um. I don't feel as good about it. No. I, I don't feel as good about it here on Friday uh, as I did on Monday. So uh, Lee Sterling's going to join us. He'll be our final guest of the week. Look forward to speaking with Lee. So many things to ask him. Here, here's one. If baseball does come back, mm-hmm. I saw this yesterday, and I was surprised because you and I spoke about this off the air late in the show yesterday, is the um, competitive advantage that some states and their and their ballparks might have. Texas is ready to go. Full all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're um, if there are games played in the new stadium in, in is where is it Fort Worth is wherever yeah, Dallas the, yeah. um, the Rangers new state the Rangers new ballpark uh, Arlington I guess technically right uh, they're going to come on in uh, you, you we can have players right from the yeah Wrigley Field there's nobody in the stands right but if you're playing a game Texas or Houston. Houston, they're going to both have fans, regardless of the fact that not every team can have fans in their ballpark when they have a air quote home game. That's a competitive disadvantage. I'm surprised that baseball is, and I get it. I mean, those owners want the money. Yes, they do. But baseball's willing to uh, to have that competitive disadvantage to some of these. Uh, teams that reside in states that will not allow fans in their ballpark at least yet. Yeah, and there's going to be certain states that you think are going to be probably a long time coming. You figure New York, California, Illinois, California. You know New York didn't have a COVID death yesterday. They didn't zip, not wow. one. Now is that or, just a counting error? Is no, that... I don't. Well, I guess I don't know. Right, but right. Um, yeah, for the first time, since, that's great. It was great news. Absolutely tremendous news. Arizona, they're opening back up. Have opened back up. It hasn't impacted that state as a whole in the, comparison. Remember the party on Memorial Day weekend at the Lakes of the Ozarks? I read an article about that yesterday. There was one person that mm-hmm. was they found. Oh, they found him a week ago, and I, I, I think it was him, or mm-hmm. he, him or her. We don't. I guess I don't know for sure. I thought it was a guy. Yeah, I thought it was a guy too. But apparently, he was. Uh, he had the virus, but nobody else got sick. Yeah, it wasn't a huge outbreak. It wasn't looking now, at. Now there those wasn't numbers. a lot of guys my age in the pool. To be fair, right, and and then that's kind of what this is, right? I think. I think we just have to look at it in that fashion, understanding that it impacts certainly people, not even you, but. 20 years older than you. We're talking 75, 80 plus. Well, the stats 60 to 80, and there's a lot. Well, granted, I'm at the lower end of that you stat, are, thankfully. Right, right. For and now. that's a wide range, uh-huh. too. And when you carve it up even more, you see those numbers mm-hmm. continue. You know, if you do it in five-year increments, it, gets, right. it goes even higher from that. So that's what it is. If you're older, you have to be more safe. If you have a pre-existing condition, you have diabetes, mm-hmm. you have things like that, those are the things that you need to worry and be a little bit more cautious. But Overall, we're talking about athletes. Outside of Tom Brady, there isn't anybody <laughs> approaching yeah. those numbers that it impacts. Now, the concerning part still remains. There's going to be some story of somebody that it hits in a different way. An athlete, maybe not at the professional level, maybe not even the collegiate level, but there will be somebody that they are stricken with COVID-19 and they are going to either be on death's doorstep or die from this. It's going to happen. It will what the reaction will be to that. Because there's stories of all kinds of crazy things across the landscape of sports that happen seemingly every single year. And you hear these kind of stories. But what the reaction is going to be to a single death 
inside the sports world or a coach. And if that happens, mm-hmm. the uh, guys over at the Cedar Rapids Gazette, who do such a great job covering high school sports, they had an article and they talked to three coaches over in eastern Iowa about that were all 70-plus. Did they go on record where mm-hmm. they, they named them? Yeah. And, and one of the coaches, who was 75, a softball coach, head softball coach, has been doing it for, I think, 45 years. Jeez. He's been the head coach. And this was scheduled to be his last season. Yeah. He's going to do it, but he's keeping that six feet distance between to. all of his players. And another one of the coaches said, it's every day for me. It is a daily wake up and make the decision, am I going to go to the ballpark with my team today? And that's that internal strife and those concerns that are there. They said, uh, a couple of the coaches said, not going on the bus on the games, going to drive myself to all the games and, and all these different things. But those are the factors that are going to be there. And that still maintains it. And that's a scary thing. There are a lot of older coaches out there. Indeed. Did you see the news from uh, high school sports that there are the, the schools that will not field a team? It's not free agency, but they've been yeah. given the thumbs up to, uh, you know, to if whoever will have them, they can join. Now, they're not going to provide transportation to get to that uh, team, but uh, one of the parents, uh, one of the parents of, uh, I think the. They had two children, a softball and a baseball player, okay. and they both petitioned the uh, the state of Iowa, and the state of Iowa was going to grant them immediate eligibility. How could you say no to that, right? right. Yeah, and this is something we speculated about when Des Moines Public Schools you know, were three, on the fence. Yeah, we're talking about three schools, Belmont, Clemmy, Eagle Grove, and Meskwaki Settlement up uh, in Tama. Those three schools All were, northeast of us, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, north, basically Belmont straight north up on 35. Eagle grows a little bit to the west and then uh, tame out to the east a little bit more up north. But all up north. But those decisions that came down to my public schools, those are three small schools. We're talking about huge numbers. Roosevelt has 75 kids out for baseball. For baseball? 75 kids out for baseball, 9 through 12. That's a huge, huge number. And, and with that... We had 75 kids from Roosevelt that were going to be free agents at Des Moines Public Schools. <laughs> yeah. Weren't going to do that. And there's a high-level kids. For this year only, though. Yes, this year only. But those high-level kids, those elite of the elite, mm-hmm. the only argument that I found to say, well, this isn't fair, which I roll my eyes at just from the start, life isn't fair. But well, these kids that have worked so hard and all of a sudden some kid comes from another town mm-hmm. and they're going to take their job. Yeah. That's the reality. Right. That happens in all walks of life, and and I get it. I, I get the frustration from that avenue. You're starting second baseman, and all of a sudden some kid comes in from Belmont, and he's better. Yeah, the all-conference player. Yeah, yeah. And he's actually a shortstop, but he's moving to second base because he's got a good shortstop already, and that happens. That's disappointing for those kids, but still part of the team. Your season's not taken away. You'll still be part of it and be able to be out there, and your team will be better. It absolutely will. So let's uh, let's uh, in our final couple of minutes here of our opening segment. Let's get uh, Roshan's uh, Corporation sponsors. Let's talk a few. Let's spend a few minutes to discussing uh, the 2014-15 team. You know, mm-hmm. and this doesn't surprise me, but just when I'm going through um, some of the box scores and stuff from those teams, every single night, Hilton Coliseum (parentheses fourteen thousand three hundred eighty-four) oh. night after night after night. Boy, these teams during the Hoiberg era and into the Pro era as well. Sold out the building every night, Trent. 14-384. You can count on it at Hilton. This was a good basketball team. Uh, I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't know. Finished second in the regular season. Will go on to win the uh, um, the Big 12 tournament. But then they got to the, uh, to the um, NCAA. And this one was in Louisville? 
Is that where that no, date was? No, I don't think it was. I don't think. It was, yeah. Was yeah. it? At the Yum Center. At the Yum Center? Okay. Yep. Uh, so back in Louisville, they were, and and early, too. Yeah, it was. Was that the first game of the I tournament? I think it was. One of the first. One of the first. They got off to a good start. I think they were up maybe 10-2, something like that, right away. UAB is hanging around. But mm-hmm. it, it never had that feeling, that game. That they were going to no, lose. No, Oh, to going to lose. I, just, I, I had the feeling that, you know what, I thought that they would blow them out. I did. I thought that. And, I, and I'm watching that game thinking, you know what, this is going to be a fight. Yeah. This is going to be, this, this, I didn't think it was going to, I didn't think it was going to go against them, that UAB was going to find a way to win. But at, at any point during that game, I knew they were in trouble right from the outset for the most part. I knew they were in a game. Maybe not in trouble, uh-huh. but I knew that they were in a game. Looking at the box score from that game, it was Monte Morris. He had 15 points, four mm-hmm. assists. What did BDJ end up with? He came off the bench, played five minutes. Yeah, there you go. 0 for 2, both three-pointers. Two turnovers mm-hmm. in those five minutes, too. It was Nyang had 11, but he was 4 of 15 from the floor. And I don't think he played in the second half, Deshaun Jones. I think that yes, that sounds right too. There was apparently an incident, and maybe had something to do with the chair. Yes, yeah. And wasn't there something leading into it too? Yeah, he wouldn't come out of apparently wouldn't come out, out of, of the his, hotel out of his room for for team. And again, I mean, he's not here to um, yeah, you know, to to refute that or anything like that. But uh, there was something, some turmoil, a schism, perhaps. Um, what did that have to do with it? Don't know, but I know they got knocked out in the first round by a 14 seed. Well, and another thing you think After about, beating Kansas the week before. Right, yeah. Not even the week before. Five days Five uh, days previous, before. Is you think of the anatomy of an upset in the NCAA tournament, and it's a team gets hot from three. Mm-hmm. A team plays ridiculously well. 85, Villanova. What did UAB shoots, shoot the ball? Three of 18 from three. It so wasn't the three. 16.7%. Thirty-four percent from the field. Huh. It's not how you think an yeah. upset is going to happen, right. and, and and that was the part just that was going on. So I got a highlight here towards the end of the game, and well, maybe a low light from Cyclone fans. We'll play some good ones here. Yeah, but, we're supposed to put them in the spotlight for right. positive here, Condon. Right. We'll go positive after this, but this was for me. I remember this vividly, and it was the first point that I thought they are going to lose. They're up to at this point. Just side inside of a minute, we go to the call. From True TV in the NCAA. A watch will inbound. Robert Brown gets loose. Takes the jumper. Boy, was that ever done in confidence. They take the lead there, 56-55. It wasn't over. There's still 50 seconds left. But this Iowa State team, this was the beginning of them seemingly coming back every single time. The huge deficits that they had. We're going to get to one of those games here in a moment. And because of that, it just it never went through my mind for 39 minutes of basketball until that one moment. And that was a talented roster, Trent. Yeah. It really and truly was. Dejon Jones was a good player. Matt Thomas, Dustin Hoags, Deontay Burton, Niang Thomas, Mitru Long, who am I missing? Uh, Jamil McClay, who I think mm-hmm. he, he was that. It had to be the year he was. Was it Defensive Player of the Year in the conference that year? I think year? so, yeah. I think it was, too. Either yeah. that year or the next year. I think it was that year, though. I mean, they were loaded. Loaded. It was a great, great team. So I want to take you, speaking of those comebacks, late in the season, Oklahoma comes to town. And this is an Oklahoma team themselves. is pretty talented. You had Lon Kruger. It felt like he really had it going at a pretty high level at this point. They were good. You got Spangler. So where's this game? 
This is in Ames. Okay. Frischella is a walk-on. Fran's son is a walk-on <laughs> on the team. Buddy Heald, though, during his junior season uh-huh. as he turned into. They get down 20 points. But back-to-back highlights here. I'm going to pick it up right during the middle of a 15-0 run. And just listen to the crowd. I mean, we talk about Hilton Magic. Boy, you can feel it in these two clips. Turn it over. Mercy. <laughs> Finally, Cousins knocks down the J. So there's Cousins, but it was a third. This is on the call. Musburger. Musburger. And Fran. 31-4 to run. Down 20 in the middle of the second half. Those were things... Remember when Hilton Coliseum used to sound like that? Wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but it did used to sound like that. That run out and that dunk. That was a 17 nothing run. That dunk Mercy. capped it. And the reaction, the sound, it gives me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Just just thinking about that. What that building is. What oh, it, it can be. Era. The Hoiberg era was a fun, fun era of Iowa State basketball. That comeback, though, to do yeah, it Yeah, that's one of them. A buddy heel team that goes on to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. What, and Isaiah Cousins was a nice player. Yes, he was. <laughs> they, they had quite a few of them. Let's finish up here with the Roshan Corporation. Look back in the Rewind 2014-15 to the final call from John Walters. Iowa State beats Kansas for the title. This would do it. Naz Long's free throw. Got it! Cyclones by four. 2.9 seconds. McKay deflects the inbounds. Up with it, Mason. And he'll fire. And it will go. And the Cyclones are the Big 12 Tournament champions for the second consecutive year. They're not beating TCU. No. They're beating Kansas. And listen to that crowd. Uh-huh. Listen the, to that crowd. The camera angle that I got from this clip, it's right there on the floor. It must have been maybe a Cyclone videographer. Mm-hmm. And looking through the stands, it's in Kansas it's City. It's in Kansas City, right? It's in Kansas City. And you see the blue, it pops. But you see the cardinal in gold, oh, and it pops, too, in a completely different the reason way. they call it Hilton South. Big, big. That one... I, I was buying in. I was buying into this team and what they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back Big 12 tournament champions. This was going to be or they were going to break through in NCAA tournament. It's But there's it's always a great, it, next year, and they came back loaded next yes. year and made a nice run through the tournament, but um, came up against a pretty salty team in Virginia. Thank you to Roshan Corporation, who presents our great teams in state of Iowa history. Integrity, quality, reliability, those are the building blocks for Roshan Corporation. Find out how they can help you with small-scale remodel projects and large projects as well. Roshan Corporation online, RoshanIA.com. That's Roshan. IA.com. All right, take a time out. We'll come back. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. We'll get into more of that 14-15 team with Dave Sproul from KASI when he joins us in about an hour. Trent and I are with you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106- Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 
FM. I'm going to talk to the Food Bank of Iowa. Dylan from the Food Bank of Iowa coming up here in about 15 minutes. Give them some air time to finish out the week. Right now, Tom Kickard, HawkeyeReport.com. Uh, Tom Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Tom? Doing terrific. Hope you guys are well. Absolutely. You know what I want to ask you? Uh, Trent and I are going to start the 11 o'clock hour with this, and we know that you like to dabble uh, in sports betting. Oh. Um, yeah. So what's going to happen, Tom? We know that the NFL, they come out with their injury report, and you know the, the colleges, programs aren't required to do that. But in this era of COVID, and you we willing to bet, sadly, that there's going to be... Look, Alabama's got five players, although they won't admit it. There might be an incident in Ames. There's some uh, symptomatic athletes, not necessarily... We don't know what sport. Uh, I think it's either Old Miss or Mississippi State, likewise Oklahoma State. So point being, uh, college athletes aren't immune to the COVID. So what happens when we get to Saturdays in the fall and you know the public doesn't know that the quarterback of Team ABC who's leading their conference, um, first-round pick, he can't go because he's in quarantine. Will, be, will colleges be forced to change how they do things because of this? Or, you know what, sports wagering, we really don't care. Yeah, I, I think colleges are going to have to be really transparent about this, if it's going to work, because you can't hide this. This is one thing you you know, guy rolls an ankle in practice on Thursday, and maybe he doesn't go. Eh, you know, I, I understand. You know, maybe there's some gamesmanship there, but this is kind of the public health thing. Um, you know, other players have to know. Um, parents have to know those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're going to have to be transparent about it and let us know. It's going to be difficult circumstances, and we're talking about universities. HIPAA too. Do, do you think that as a whole, even taking COVID away from the, the conversation that too many universities and athletic departments, I don't want to say hide behind it. But no, you can go ahead and say that. Yeah, I, they're, they do. They, yeah. they go over yeah. overboard with it, if you will, Tom. Yeah, I, I, and I'm fine if they are not specific about it. Right. I, I think given that, um, I think they have to at least say, you know, he's got an injury. That's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at least let us know that. Or he's in quarantine. Well, then we know. Mm-hmm. Then we know, you know. Uh, and depending on how the media situation is this year, um, whether we get any in-person contact or not, and that's still, you know, oh. kind of going to be decided. But, um, you know, say it's somebody that we had interactions with three days ago. Um, I think reporters need to know and vice versa reporters if we have a situation we need to let the university of iowa or whatever school we were covering let them know if mm-hmm. we've had in-person interactions with those folks indeed tom let's move on uh, i wanted to get your thoughts on that and uh, very well said so iowa is apparently you know reading between the tea leaves and connecting some dots there might be a, a quarterback uh, from ball state is it labus or labus do you know how he pronounce his name it's Labus. We Labus. checked that out this week. Yeah, and uh, he's from Ohio. Kind of maybe a, you know, another Rick Stanzi story. Uh, perhaps we'll see. Um, but yeah, he visited Iowa on his own last weekend. Couldn't meet with coaches or anything, but just basically visited Iowa City and drove around, from what I understand, and just kind of got a lay of the land, and then uh, decided to decommit from Ball State. And uh, all indications are that. 
sometime this weekend we might see some news. Ah, nice. Any other news coming that you can potentially not names, but uh, um, anything else percolating that you're aware of? Not, um, you know, super, um, you know, kind of in, in the pipeline right this minute. Um, so, you know, I think there could be something maybe later this month, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I think most of the guys right now from the recruiting standpoint have just kind of hit the pause button. Uh, I want to see what happens if, you know, they're able to get back on campus. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do campus recruiting. I just don't know how they're going to do on-campus recruiting or sending coaches out because you're going to kind of um, you're going to want to limit your contacts with the outside world, and uh, it's just going to be the reality of recruiting until we kind of figure this thing out even more. What can you tell us? Uh, speaking of recruiting, over on the basketball front, as you look to this one. AU events, or, or if they even happen, are going to look completely different. What about the basketball front in terms of scholarships and, and what they're looking at with that huge class coming in, the incoming freshmen? Yeah, um, you know, the AAU season is going to be interesting because I know there's some movement to try to maybe get some sort of an evaluation period in, um, you know, maybe a weekend in August, maybe a weekend in September. Uh, so coaches can get in front of uh, players and players can get in front of coaches and watch them play and perform somewhere. I don't know how they're going to do it. All the shoe companies have canceled their seasons. They're not going to have anything, but those organizations still exist. So they, you know, potentially play with their, their teams. Um, but I don't know how it's going to work. I, you know, the, the risk is higher inside. It just is. If you're, if you're outside, it seems like there's, um, you know, it mitigates things a little bit. So I don't know how they're going to do it. But, um, and here's the other thing, and it's starting to get talked about, guys. And we've, we've a lot of older college basketball coaches. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Jim, Jim Beheim right. pushing 80. Yeah. Uh, K is like, mm-hmm. what, 73, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, there's, there's some older coaches in college basketball. And, um, and, you know, the, the University of Iowa doctor has even said some things about, yeah, we got to, even Kirk Ferentz, who's 64, mm-hmm. got to account for those things. So, um, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be an issue that, um, that I think um, college athletics is going to have to grapple with here. And the NBA is going to have to with, you know, some of their coaches being older. Yep, no doubt about it. Speaking of the NBA, we now know that the, uh, uh, that the deadline to withdraw is April or uh, August, rather, Third, right, ten days before the combine. Uh, so, Luca Garza, you anticipate July? Will he hold out that long? Will he? What do you anticipate? What's the What's the buzz regarding Garza and when he will let everyone know what his decision is ultimately going to be? I think there's some hope that they're going to maybe have a combine in July. That's that's kind of the indications that you know guys like Woj have given. Uh, you know, and he knows more about the NBA than any of us. Yeah. So. Um, I would trust his information, uh, that, but I just don't know how they're going to do it. You're going to have to bring in guys to that bubble that they're establishing. Cause I would assume they would probably do it in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know how you're going to be able to do a combine. I just don't, just, I don't see how it's feasible, but maybe they'll figure something out, uh, at an alternate location and just send one representative from each team or something. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's, it just seems um, hard to 
hard to fathom, but I, I would suspect that Luca's going to, um, you know, see what happens if he gets an invitation to a combine or something that they were able to do and then make his decision. I still anticipate that he's going to come back to the University of Iowa. As do I think Trent and I. What about Bohannon? How's his rehab going? Any news? Yeah, he's doing well. Um, talked to some people the other day and uh, who would uh, seen him and said he looks great. He's lost a little weight, um, in better shape, uh, and he's you know raring to go. So all those guys uh, get in next uh, or not next week, the week after the fifteenth, and um, just talking to some of uh, some of the guys. Everybody's just kind of chomping at the bit to get back to. Uh, to work and get together, and Luca will be there. So he's he's going to be back in Iowa City, um, working out with his teammates. So that's another sign that you know it looks like Luca's probably going to come back for his senior year, unless he gets the the dream offer that he's looking for. Tom Caker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, back over to some football. Zoom meeting earlier this yeah. week with Coach Ferentz, and certainly the, the biggest part of the conversation dealing with what we're dealing with as a country as a whole. You have the COVID side of things and, and what's happening with the protests uh, here in Des Moines over in Iowa City, where you live in the Quad Cities, happening across the state and across the nation, across the world at this point. Certainly, it, it was just so interesting hearing a 65-year-old man talk about this and and his Mm -hmm. trying to put the program in the right spot and have the right kind of conversations. Yeah, I think um, this week or this last week or so has been an eye-opener for Kirk and just to understand things and um, to, you know, have have an appreciation of what a young black man goes through in his life and and uh, what that's like, and and he had no idea. I mean, it was pretty clear that those conversations that were had um, with Calvin Bell and Var and uh, Derek Foster and uh, Coach Copeland. I mean, they they were those were eye openers. And talking to some of his players, those were eye openers. And um, you know, he he even admitted. I mean, and I think maybe all of us heard. You know, back when. Um, you know, there was some talk when uh, Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee and, and things like that. There were some, maybe some Iowa players that uh, that uh, Iowa fans would readily recognize were wondering about taking a knee. And Coach Ferentz kind of put the put the uh, kibosh to that. And now he's, I wouldn't say he's done a 180, but I think he's he's open to it. But he's he's basically said. If they're going to do that, they're going to do it as a team, not as individuals. And I, that's just kind of the way he operates. And um, so it's going to be, you know, those are decisions to made down the down the line by the team, and they'll vote on it. They'll figure it out. But it's an interesting, uh, you know, discussion that we're going to have. I, I think it's a healthy discussion, and it's a discussion that's that's needed to happen for a long time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com is our guest. Tom, uh, so when... Are they allowed back on campus uh, Monday and workouts the following Monday and voluntary workouts at this point? Is is if I got those dates right? Yeah, they're um, actually going to try and test as many guys as they can here in the next few days, um, so they can re-enter the facility once you get your clear your your test clear. Um, then you're you're able to get back in the facility. They're going to have it's one entry. They're going to test your temperature. 
They're going to do a health screen. You know, have you been coughing? Have you, you know, had trouble breathing? That sort of just some basic questions every day that you enter the mm-hmm. facility. Uh, they'll stagger some workout times, but it won't, uh, Kirk said it won't be a whole lot different in terms of size of how many people are doing things. And then they'll have more space in between those workouts so they can do the appropriate cleaning and, um, you know, kind of scrubbing things down. They'll probably move some stuff outside to that practice field as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a learning process for everybody, but it's great that they're going to be back in the building. It really is. And, um, and now they can start training under coach Doyle and, you know, Kirk said the biggest challenge is some guys are going to come in better than others in terms of their shape. So they got to be careful so they can avoid the soft tissue injuries that, uh, that I think a lot of strength and conditioning coaches are worried about right now. Tom, a last thing from me. I know you know Zach Johnson pretty well. He posts on your message yeah. board. Was I, I, I always get a kick yes. out of when you see Zach Hawk on there. Doesn't post nearly as much as he once did, but uh, he his foundation has normally their event, their big event here this summer would be coming up this weekend, changed because of COVID-19. But do you uh, have a link or a place where people can go? They're doing a, a virtual event, I know, coming up this weekend. Yeah, they are. Um, and I'll, I'll tweet something out. People okay. can look in the Twitter feed. And, and um, I, I tweeted something last night about it. And um, But they've got a ton of, uh, if you just search, uh, search Zach Johnson Foundation, um, kids in the course, they'll, they'll have a link to the gala, which is Saturday. But they've got stuff up now that you can bid on. And they're going to have like Micah Hyde, George Kittle, um, you know, Pat Anger, uh I'm missing some other guys, but basically any guy that's like an NFL player, Hawkinson, they're going to have signed jerseys in there and you can bid on them online and, um, and get those jerseys personally signed to you. So um, it's pretty cool. And there's some zoom calls in there uh, that you can bid on with Zach. Nice. uh, So you can have a 10 person zoom call with Zach for an hour and knowing Zach, he'll probably stay for two hours if you want. (laughs) Will he look Um, at my golf swing? He he probably will. He probably will. So yeah, just uh, you know, they got a lot of different things. There's some golf stuff, some travel stuff. So I'd encourage people to um, you know it's a great organization. Helps a lot of kids in the uh, Eastern Iowa community, and um, they do great work and, and use golf as a teaching tool as well. So um, you know everybody get out and support Zach and, and the work that he's doing. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. That's also Tom's uh, Twitter handle, at Hawkeye Report. Tom joins us uh, seemingly every Friday, and we're grateful for that. Tom, we'll do so again next week if your schedule allows. Thank you, as always, Tom. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com as he joins us on a Friday. We're going to talk to our friend Dylan Lampy from the Food Bank of Iowa. We'll uh, give the Food Bank some airtime to take us towards the 11 o'clock hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, we've got Dave Sproul from KASI. Uh, he covers Iowa State. I know he was uh, at the Matt Campbell event when Campbell was outside early in the week talking okay. to the community. So we'll get Dave Sproul's uh, opinion, not opinion, on, uh, we'll pick his brain as to what went on there. Um, the 2014-15 Iowa State men's basketball team, that's a Roshan Corporation team of the day. We'll talk about that as well and some other Iowa State topics with Dave Sproul. And then Lee Sterling on sports wagering. He's a handicapper. It'll be different for you guys. It'll be <laughs> well, very different. Well, it won't be different for me. It's not like I'm plugging numbers 18 hours a day like a lot of people. <laughs> 
Go by feel. Throw five bucks on it, and we move on after another loss. Uh, Food Bank of Iowa. Dylan joins us next. Trent and I take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. KXNO and 107. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. Let's get right to it. I don't want to run out of hours. Food Bank of Iowa. We put them in the spotlight. Normally, it's Michelle Book, but today Dylan Lampy is going to join us. Get the latest on what's going on Food Bank of Iowa. As always, if you can help or if you need help, go to foodbankiowa.org, foodbankiowa.org. Uh, Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, Dylan Lampy. Uh, how are you, first of all? Good. Happy Friday. Thanks for having me on. Michelle's on a, a much-deserved break today. Yeah, so boy. You have me today. No, I'm glad to have you, Dylan. You and I have communicated. We're grateful to the uh, partnership uh, we have here. Of course, NCMIC makes it possible. So you sent me some numbers, Dylan, and uh, boy, oh boy, April, 43% more individuals, April 2020 over April 2019. What a tremendous need uh, uh, that uh, you guys saw and were able to help serve yeah it's been interesting you know since this uh since this kind of happened in march our distribution numbers have been up across the board about 20 percent um and that's and we're doing more with with less right now because typically donated food accounts for about 50 percent of the food we receive each year whether that's through traditional food drives large donations um and food rescue through a variety of retail partners um, and we've seen a decrease in that, but we've been putting out more food. So we've been doing more with less, and, and it's a credit to the, the really great team we have here at Food Bank of Iowa. You uh, mentioned in your notes, Dylan, that the numbers in May in terms of distribution were less than in April. Can you explain that a little bit to us and what's happening there? Yeah, so the amount of food that we distributed in May was a little bit less than in April. We still had folks receiving that $600 um, extra in their unemployment check. They were receiving maximum SNAP benefits. They, uh, the rent and utility moratoriums were still in effect. So um, folks were using, using those funds during that time. And we now expect June to probably be the biggest distribution month we've seen Whoa. in our organization's history. So it's really interesting to watch the ebb and flow of all of this. But we are committed to um, adjusting as we need, as demand uh, increases or um, shifts a little bit. We're we're committed to meeting that demand. That's interesting, and I and I guess the the economic factors that you just alluded to are the reason behind May. But since some of those are going down, Dylan, you're bracing yourself for a busier June. Have I got that right? That's right, and uh, we're expecting to put out uh, close to two million pounds of food this month. Um, our our trucks are moving a lot more. The number of truck routes we have run since March has increased about fifty percent. Uh, with we've had National Guard assistance as well, and with their assistance, our our routes have increased sixty eight percent. So. We're, we're putting more hours on the road, but that also means that we have increased fuel costs and maintenance costs. You know, if we have a truck that has to come off the road for maintenance, that, that affects our entire week uh, and how we're getting food out across the 55 counties that we serve. So a lot of moving parts and, and a lot of shifting that has to happen, and the team here has been doing a great job. Uh, meeting those demands you know it's something dylan that i just never think about you think of the food bank and you think of the food but Mm -hmm. you have to get the food to different locations and and there's a cost that's associated with that for people that can help out and they can donate food 
obviously important, but the financial aspect too. It's not just giving a food and helping in that way, but the financial aspect to get those trucks running and keep them running and keep them on the road. That's a huge part of what you guys do at Food Bank of Iowa. It really is. There's there's a lot of cost that goes into that. So you know, starting with our volunteers who help sort and package the food, um, all the way to driving. You know, our service area extends uh, up north to Spirit Lake down to Keokuk. So a lot of miles go on the truck, and our drivers are on the road quite a bit. So um, yeah, there, there's a lot of expenses that go into it besides just uh, you know procuring and and distributing food. So. Um, a lot of logistical uh, uh, expenses that come into play that we don't necessarily uh, talk about too often. Well, you can talk about what you guys did a week ago today in Ottumwa. Uh In the three hours that you guys were operating up there, you saw a thousand cars. A thousand cars came through in Ottumwa alone last Friday in three hours, Dylan? Yeah, it was similar to the event we did about a month prior to that at the Food Bank of Iowa Distribution Center uh, in Des Moines. We held one at our Atumwa facility. We have a distribution center there as well. And um, in, in three hours, you're right, we had about a 1,000 cars Jeez. come through. And it was just an incredible collaboration. We had community leaders volunteering. We had um, the Atumwa Police Force helping direct traffic. And everything ran super smooth. And um, it's it's just a really... Um, it's a really impactful thing to be a part of some of those distributions where you have cars lined up um, as far as you can see and and uh, just just seeing the need that's out there and how grateful everyone is for uh, you know the services that we provide. So um, we're continuing to analyze the need across our service area and shifting our mobile pantries to meet the needs in some of the communities that are being harder hit. So we'll continue doing that as, as the need uh, requires. Uh, families, they continue to feel pressure. And if you have that need with kids at home or even college kids at home, maybe uh, a work in consistency, reach out food bank of Iowa. If you need help or if you can help also food bank of Iowa.org food bank of Iowa.org Dylan, best of luck. Keep up the good work. Uh, say hi to Michelle when you see her for Trent and I, and we'll have you on. Uh, if June's going to be as busy as you anticipate, we'll have you on to talk more about that as we get to the middle of the month thank you very much dylan have a good weekend thanks guys you too we appreciate it good to talk to you dylan lampy from the uh, food bank of iowa there's a need and if you have a need foodbankofiowa.org or if you can help foodbankofiowa.org all right 11 o'clock hour coming up next miller and condon with you until noon thank you ncmic it's des moines sports station 1460 kx and owen 106.3 fm